the Wandering Journo at Stories That Matter Studios. I'm Nance Haxton, and this is The Streets of Your Town. The podcast that takes you on an audio journey through theatre of the mind, highlighting a different slice of Australian life each episode. This is Stories of Survival, a special edition of Streets of Your Town, brought to you in collaboration with community support group, the Southwest Wellness Collaborative. It's a fact not widely known, but poverty affects more than one million people in Australia. That social disadvantage often has other complications, with the extreme stress of poverty leading to much greater levels of mental and physical illness. Research is showing those effects trickle down through generations. 96% of people with a mental illness cannot afford all basic necessities at once, meaning they have to choose between medication, food, or housing. One third of people with a mental illness also earn less than $20,000 a year. Today we speak to Benjamin Parsons at the Inala Community Centre which has helped him to pick up the pieces at pivotal points in his life. Benjamin has a message of tolerance asking us to look more sensitively on people in the community who at times have struggled as he has. So Benjamin, thank you for joining us on the Streets of Your Town podcast today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so here we are in Anala. Have you lived around this area for long? I was here when I was 14, so I've moved to Anala since I was um, the age of 14. Um, but we've had family that's lived here all my life, so... Uh, I originally come from a place called Goodna, which is the same as Anala in the way of the community and how we get judged. Yeah, but, you reckon? Um, yeah, mm. but um, I do know that um, Anala is a little bit different than Goodna. In the community, it means that if you need help, they're always there for you. So if you struggle to buy a loaf of bread and they've got a spare loaf in the fridge, they'll give it to you. So it's all about giving, but it's also about taking as well so my my focus on um that is if someone came to me and they're an elderly person and they couldn't afford a bottle of milk or something and i've got change in my pocket i've always been taught through my parents to help them out and then they'll help you so it it, it kind of ties in with my mental health too because if i'm down a lot of the services in Anala are good but they don't they don't understand me, whereas someone who's 70, who's had 70 years previous to me, understands it a bit more and they can give you advice and maybe suggestions on how to fix problems or to how to help. So that's why I like to volunteer my time in the community, just not to the community centre, but to people on, I guess, the outside, in the elderly people that struggle, the people that have disabilities. So it's just not about mental mental health with me, even though it's important. And I kind of feel that even though Nala has services, they lack. And the reason why they lack is because the government's cutting funding. So I've been in programs and I've noticed that they've pretty much weaned me off and will cut me out because of government funding. So you've noticed that, that the the services being offered have, have lessened? Yes. Yeah. Um, for, for me personally, yes. <clears throat> I used to get three lots of support. Now I'm down to one lot. 
which is my GP and psychologist rolled into one. Now, if the government was to give more funding, I would feel that the rate of suicide, especially in Australia, but especially in Queensland, would go down. You know, I've I've seen people think it's funny to jump on railroad tracks and play in front of trains. I've seen people cut their wrists and, you know, and especially in an alley, you know, there's there's a, a big amount of drug overdose, there's a big amount of alcoholism, you know, of suicide. Mm. I've been on the edge myself, but I just kind of feel that the services that Anala offer could be better mm. and that's why we struggle in Anala. Mm. I mean, I've worked with St Vincent de Paul for four years and I used to do the furniture truck where you'd go and deliver furniture to people that struggle. Now, I'm grateful for what I've got, you know, and what I've saved up and what I've bought and what I own. But going into these houses and seeing the poverty line, I guess mm. you could say, is bad, you know, because I live in a house where, you know, I've got a nice lounge and a nice bed. Some people don't have anything, you know, and they're just grateful to get something. So at the end of the day, I kind of feel that I am blessed to live in an hour and we do have good services, but I feel the government could do more. You do you know? think people could open their eyes a bit to to the poverty in in their communities, I suppose, and not just an hour? Well, it's just not an hour. I've noticed mm. it, okay, in Woodridge. Mm-hmm. Beanley, mm. also in Bethania, Logan Central. You know, I've done deliveries to places like Kelvin Grove where people think it's a rich, great suburb, but one half of it is housing commission units mm. at one end of the campus. And I've been there and seen the way people live and how they hang their washing on rope and mm. how they don't have much, you know. And there was this one time that I was doing delivery and these two boys were sitting on the ground just playing with rocks and I'm like hang on I've got some Hot Wheels in the back of the truck you know that I was going to buy so I just went back to the truck and I just went here you go boys and I read it down in my book that I'd given out a car or two each and I'll go back and pay for that so it's not stealing mm-hmm. but to help them out and see the joy on their face you know is, is, is great because you know you go home feeling like you've accomplished something and you've done something you know mm-hmm. No, I just feel that, yeah, uh, the, the, the place I live in or the suburb I live in is, is a nice place to live. It's just people look down on us. It's the same with Goodna, you know. I, my dad used to live in Goodna when my parents split. And my dad had a mental health issue as well. And getting services in the Ipswich area is tricky too because I've got friends that tell me that it's the same as an hour. The services are cut. No one wants to know you. No one wants to help you. Um, so, yeah, my, my advice to anybody with a mental health condition, try and get as much help as you can. And don't be shy to reach out to the community. You know, like, you know, there's Facebook. Get on the community pages and say, hey, I'm struggling. Or, hey, I need some help. So nothing to be ashamed of, you think? No, because I did it. You know, I had a problem mm. with the Department of Housing. I'm threatening to, I guess you could say, end my tenancy because I wasn't clean. And it was a real wake-up call, and that was because my mental health was going down the tube and no one was there to help me. And I, I asked people on Facebook would they help me. And that's what made me realise that, you know, someone came and helped me, so I can go and help somebody else. Mm. So, you know, if you can't help yourself, 
at least ask for help. You were saying, yeah, people think when it's pain that it can, it's just a physical condition, but it can actually be a mental condition as well. Yeah, and that's what my doctor didn't understand at the time. But um, basically, yeah, I went to him and he told me, oh, just go home, do some breathing exercises and go for a walk every day. And I'm like, uh, no. So I tried that. Next night I had the same pain again. And at the time living with my mum... I was kind of freaking her out. So it was like, I need to get a better doctor that understands me. So I went to a lovely doctor now that I've had since I was 14. We sat down and had a talk about how I feel and what I feel. And he was like, you got to go on medication for your depression. And at that time, um, watching my father go through the same thing and, you know tried he tried to commit suicide a second time um when i was 16 so just just watching that and knowing that you know he was on medication made me kind of think about my mental health and i agreed to it hey like you have your good and bad days i guess you could say so you know i'm what i'm trying to say is you know medication is not going to be a fix and I don't encourage you to take the bottle up every day either because I've seen people that do that and it wrecks your life. Mm-hmm. I've tried it, you know, I've been there, you know, I used to drink eight, nine glasses on a Friday night and that, and I, like, you know, that wasn't even the start. I'd have a couple before I went to the pub, you know, and it's done crazy things to me but all I can say is that, you know, um, don't be scared to consult your GP don't be scared to have a talk with somebody and you know if you've suffered abuse in the past or you've had a bad family life don't blame it on that but just you know get over that but always remember that you know if you have children or you've had children or you see children you know in the world that are suffering you know don't be scared to go up and have a chat with them either because you know it all helps. Someone's there for someone else and it all helps. What supports do you think could help people to, to come out the other side of it like you have, you know, and to, to help the community back? Well, I guess you could say, like, the, 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 the main support is knowing that you have good friends, you know, knowing that you can go and sit and talk to a, um, an 80-year-old mate, you know, and I guess you could say you pick up a guitar... You know, even though he's taught you, you pick up a guitar and you, you talk it out or you, you play it out, I guess you could say. That's that's one good support that I have that I wish the community could have. You know, we used to have a music group in Anala until FSG folded. Um, what was FSG? FSG was a disability support group based oh, okay. out of Beanley, Ipswich and the Bayside. So, so basically, losing those yeah, little groups is hard. We, we, we lost those yeah. groups because of the NDIS that's uh-huh. now coming in. Now, NDIS is supposed to help us, <laughs> um, but I don't see how it's going to help us. You know, We need those groups yeah. to be able to not make a cure for yeah. it, but to have somewhere to go to talk to people. And to be honest, uh, the Inala... Um, community hub wants a men's group to start and they want me to help facilitate it now I've done my groups here I've done art groups with disabilities I've done um, you know I've helped a music group here in the past you know I'm happy to run a men's group but 
for, for any group to establish and be successful, we need funding as well. Yeah. And that's another thing in Anala I've noticed. Get funding is very, very hard. It's getting harder, do you think? Very hard because, yeah. you know, the government's tightening up mm. all their funding. They're closing down all their networks, you know, mm. even the job networks. That's another thing in Anala. Mm. People complain that there is no jobs. There are jobs, but the, 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 the what do you call it, the job networks, all they do is think of you as money. They don't think of you as a person. Mm-hmm. And I've been through this too. And my struggles of going for job interviews and just getting plopped into a job is mm-hmm. is really hard, you know. And there are people on an aisle that are genuine that do want to work like myself, mm-hmm. you know. But we just get treated, I guess you could say, not unfairly, but not like a normal person. Like lack of understanding there, do you think? There, there, there is with the government agencies too, you know, like they think that, you know, we get a pair of boots, some overalls, and we'll go and do anything. It's it's not like that, you know. We, I'm not saying that we're dumb in Anala, but, you know, we need a little bit more TLC. we got we got lovely schools around here and we get a good education, but it's just there's no... No one wants to give us an opportunity you know, and it's because we live in Anala and that's what the government, I think, needs to help, you know, give more incentives, give more funding for even the community um, neighbourhood centre to maybe do some training. And those support groups, like you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. like, you know, I used to be with a group called Nimai for a support. Now, for three years they were really good and then the funding went <laughs> down the drain, you know. It's like... If they gave more funding and they stop and they cut it in other uh, other areas where the funding is not needed, I think Anala would benefit more. Same with Beanley, like Woodridge would probably clean up a lot better than you know what it is at the moment. You know because the crime rate in Woodridge is three times of what Anala is, and I can tell you that now. And it's because there's nowhere for the youth to go in Woodridge. But Anala has a skate park in now, but we still, if we had more funding for more programs, even if it was like a small school of some type, that we could be, you know, skills could be retrained, or we need more of a drop-in centre for the youth, because we don't have uh, just a youth drop-in centre. And I know that they're planning to build a new neighbourhood community centre, but that's the other thing, they're building it in the wrong place. So they're building it away from the, the the main heart of Anala. They're building it on the outskirts where no one will be able to access, no one will be able to get to. Because um, public transport around here in Anala is pretty difficult to access at times, isn't it, and yes. getting around? It, it's really difficult to access, and I kind of find that, you know, like the way the bus services are done too, they're not always on time. Mm. And they're not frequent. It's expensive. It, it can, yes, it is expensive. Mm. And I can tell you right now, this is from a bus driver's point of view, the amount of fare invaders mm. that um, fare invade from here to the city um, and out to Springfield, either train or bus, is 10 times the rate of, say, Northside somewhere. So, so maybe that's something the government could help with too, is actually helping people who, you know, have mental uh, illnesses or trying to get back on their feet, give them some help with, with public transport costs as well. Um, yeah, you know, even if they, I guess you could say, lowered the, the bus fare. Because mm. when I first moved to Anala, it was 80, 80 cents or a dollar to get around. Now it's $2.40 on a concession. 
And to be honest, I was on Start for a very long time after I quit my third job, not because I wanted to be, but because no one would take me on and give me a job. Mm. And after I paid all my bills, 320 a fortnight, I was struggling. And there were some days I would go without food and I would go and gamble just to try and make more money. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So then I went and stole from my mum just to cover the cost of living. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just a little cost. You know, when, when you throw $42,000 down the drain um, in a four-year period because you have a gambling problem and you can't... You, in an hour, there's no support for gambling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd have to go all the way out the Ipswich just to see a counsellor once a week just to get that help. You know, we don't we don't have anything in an ala like for relationships or for gambling. We do have Alcohol Anonymous and AA, whatever it is, AA Tods or something. But a lot of our services are, are lacking. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you this because my wife, who also has depression, um, uses not alcohol services, but she knows people that work in those services because she used to be a, a community and mental health support worker. So she knows where we're lacking. And she tells me that all those services in an hour um, are fizzling out because of funding, you know. And it's just not, like, as I said, it's just not the Australian government. It's the Queensland government too that need mm. to understand that the mental health system they've put in place is not working because we're in the catchment area for PA, Princess Alexandra Hospital. Now, just so people know, if you want to go to hospital because you're feeling mentally depressed or suicidal, if you've been three or four times before with the same symptoms, they're not going to see you. They're not going to do anything for you. They will turn you away. My wife who really needs the support, goes and they just turn her away. And I've been there three times and after the third time they've just turned me away and referred me back to my doctor. And now my doctor shakes his head and and is like, if I'm really having a bad day and I go and see him, the only thing he can do is tell me to ring my mum or, you know, ring up my psychologist and if she's got five minutes she'll talk to me. Or go see a friend because there is nothing he can do he can he can send me to a private psychiatrist and, you know, if he's got $200 spare on the day, you go and see him. But for us in Anala who don't really have that, you know, you pay the gap or whatever it is, $40, and you get the rest back from Medicare. But if you don't have that money, how are you supposed to get the help? So what I'm trying to say is the government, if they want to help, they should, they should put a, a service in place that you don't have to pay that money, you know, but you fill out a form and the government helps pay it and you just pay the gap, which is $40 on the day. Even though $40 is hard to get. Yeah, you know. That'd not... be a really practical thing that would help you. Yeah. It, it's, it's very hard to, to get services, you know, in an hour, and that's where I think they need to fix it, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like, they need to, to focus more on that than spending money on overseas trips and, and these big pay rises they get, you know, because... If we had more money in the government's funding and, you know, we had more, I guess you could say, a little bit more money in our own pockets, you know, 
we could afford to do more, life would be more happier, you know, more services would make it a lot happier. You might be able to hold down a job for longer. Yeah, because right? I, yeah. you know, I, look, I can hold down a job, okay, mm. but with my mental health capacity, um, I've been deemed that I can't drive, I can't operate machinery, I can't, you know, my last job was just horrific because, like, it wasn't, I wasn't even doing the job I was supposed to be doing. I was going out with somebody else that was uninsured and unqualified and throwing tools up onto a roof and, you know, just sitting there all day and doing nothing and my mental health just went down the plug hole. So, you know, I think, you know, they need to make, the government need to create real jobs, just not, we'll put you in, you know, with this employer and you get a six month, you know, we'll pay the employer for six months and then after that you don't know what you're doing. Because it's it, it it makes your life unstable, going from one job to another every six months as well. Sounds like you've really come through a lot to survive all this, Ben. You've done amazingly. Well, yes, I have. But you know, the one thing that's got me through this, and I always say this to people, is my mum. My mum always believes in me. So, and you know, you can get married, you can have a wife, you can have children. They can believe in you. But as someone once said to me, as I saying, you only get one mum, you see? And right from the day that you, I guess you're born, you know, your mum's always going to be there for you no matter what. I mean, I threw sticks and stones at my mum. I burnt bridges with my mum. But at the end of the day, we're still, I don't know how we're still doing it, but we're still hanging on, you know? And my mum believes in me, you know, so... If, if I was to pack up and go to Melbourne tomorrow for a music career, I think my mum would question it, but she'd go, well, if you're happy, you know, um, go So that's good, it. you're writing music and things now? Um, I, I write my thoughts, so it's not really I'm writing music to publish. It's more of a way to get out those bad thoughts and mm. those suicidal thoughts and, I guess, you know, release the pain. Because, mm. you know, living... I'm not saying it's bad, but living with someone that has a mental illness too is hard, you know, and there are days where you want to run away and that's where it's good to have a mum mm-hmm. or an 80-year-old mate you can go pick up a guitar and play with or someone you can go and visit mm-hmm. because if you don't have that, you feel like you're in an enclosed space and that you feel like that, you know, you're hopeless and that you feel like you're not wanted. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, even though it's good to be around people, you know, if they've got a mental illness, it's also good to have time out. And that's that's a big thing with me, you know. That's why, you know, if there's no support and you need support, you suppose sometimes you have to make your own support or find your own support. And that is hard in the community. And, you know, not many people want to deal with someone who, okay, I guess is suicidal Mm. or someone who has a mental illness or especially has autism because most people don't understand what autism is. Even though I've only got a low level, I've worked with people that have autism and I've seen what autism is on a high scale Mm. and I've always got time for someone with autism. Sounds like people could just take a bit more time and really think about the person behind the facade sometimes, behind what they see and think about what's happening in their life. There's sometimes a lot going on, isn't there? There there is a lot, you know, and people take life for granted and some people just take the opportunities they get and throw them out the window. But 
I've learned that um, after throwing three opportunities away, that um, whatever I get from now on or whatever I'm dealt with in life, I guess I just take it, you know? So it's, if someone walks up to me in the street and says, oh, do you have 30 cents I could borrow? Do you think I'm going to say, oh, no, I don't get lost? If it's 30 cents, I'll give it if I've got it. But, you know, when they start asking for real, like, you know, five and tens and, <laughs> and $50 notes, then you got to think to yourself, you know. Yeah, as I said, in my younger years, I took life for granted. Drinking, gambling, um, thinking that life was a great trip or an adventure, you know. Because like, when you turn 18, you're pretty much an adult, aren't you? So you, you want to go and, I suppose, you want to go and drink. You want to go and smoke if that's what you do. You want to jump into bed with the first, I, I guess, first <laughs> real person that you know, um, that you meet at a club or something. And I've been there and I've done that. And it's not the greatest feeling, but, you know, you, we've all got to experience something in life. They don't, they don't write a book on when you turn 18, what you can do and what you can't do. And that's where we fall through the cracks too in an hour because... You know, if we had more educational services, for example, um, I guess, you know, safe sex or educational um, classes or advocates you could go to or, you know, if you um, think it's cool to inject the needle, maybe go and talk to someone before you get hep B and hep C and AIDS or whatever. You know, we don't have, we don't really have any of that for the younger generation. You know, we need more of that in, in our community, you know, people taking time out to teach the younger generation. Mm. Because I'm not being rude, but in Anala, the unemployment rate is not great. Mm. And the baby rate is not great either. And I'm being honest because I've come from a working class <coughs> background, you could say. So I guess, you know, we need more education on, yeah, life's decisions and life's challenges to answer your question oh, well, thank you so much for joining us I really appreciate it Ben is there anything else that you'd like to mention for our Streets of Your Town podcast the stories of survival it's been great talking to you the only thing I could say is that yeah don't don't be scared to ask for help don't be scared to go see your GP if you think you have a mental health condition or any condition relating to like suicidal or anything like that because in my time I've had so many mates that have done stupid things and now they're not with me and some of it was because they were depressed but some of it was because they thought they could show off to their mates and be cool and they didn't know how to deal with their depression so they thought showing off was a big thing and also no matter where you live don't be scared to go to your hospital and tell them that you have a mental health condition you know and and fight for your rights because I feel if you don't fight you don't get what you deserve so yeah just just fight you know get people to help you fight as well thank you so much Ben that was Benjamin speaking to us from the Anala Community Centre in Brisbane Streets of Your Town is produced by Nance Haxton, a.k.a. The Wandering Journo, with production assistance from Michael Adams. That's it for this episode. I'm Nance Haxton. Stay up to date with the latest episode of Streets of Your Town by subscribing on your podcast app on iTunes or SoundCloud. See you next time. <laughs>